I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Amy Lynn Green has always loved history and reading, and she enjoys speaking with book clubs, writing groups, and libraries all around the country. Her debut novel, Things We Didn't Say, was nominated for a 2021 Minnesota Book Award, won two Carroll Awards, and received a starred review from both Booklist and Library Journal. Amy and her family make their home in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Here's my conversation with Amy. Hi, Amy. Thanks for being with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Julie. I have to let you know at the top of this that I'm already feeling connected to you because you're an Amy and my sister is an Amy. And oh, I love that. Yes, I have a natural affinity for all Amys. I think they're a little bit magic. So we're already off to a great start, really. You know, I've never met an Amy I didn't like. So there's that. Except for the Amy in Little Women. Never mind. Okay, true. Mm. But we'll we'll put her in the fictional realm. And so that way it doesn't have to mess up our rule because I agree. Mm. I love Amy's. Perfect. Well, good. Well, I'm so glad you're here. I was also laughing because I was looking at your at some of your social media and your things. And I thought she has to go by Amy Lynn Green, though, because you have two names that are somewhat going to be easily found. So that must yes. be such a fun thing. Now, did you go by your middle name or was that like an, I'm becoming an author. Now I'm going to be Amy Lynn on this cover. Lynn is definitely for the author side of me. And you're right that there are many, many Amy Greens out there and even many Amy Greens who are writers. So a hundred percent. Well, that's, what's amazing. These are things you don't think about because I know for me, when I started looking for stuff, I mean, I was shocked at how many Julie Chavez's there are and how many are also in some sort of writing space. So I never would have guessed. I know it's really annoying that people have done that and lived their lives and been inconsiderate to me in that way. Rude. So, I know. <laughs> Rude. I don't like it. Well, let's get started talking about the Blackout Book Club. I just finished it and I really liked it. Oh, it was I'm so, so glad. Oh, it was so good. I really liked you had a variety of timelines. It was really fresh. There were the formats that you used, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but some of the, the different approaches you had to the writing kept it really fresh as a reader in a genre I feel like that can get sort of repetitive or expected, mm -hmm. I guess. And I felt like there were really unexpected pieces in your book. And so you did a fantastic job. Well done. Thanks. I loved writing it. It's just like the two weeks before deadline. Everything else was a joy. Okay. Well, that kind of leads into my first question, then we'll back up. But later I was going to ask you, how did the second book writing compare to the first? Ooh, that's a good question. So I wrote the Blackout Book Club when I was pregnant with a baby that I now have, 
<laughs> okay. And so I am now writing a book with a baby, um, oh which is significantly more challenging, a lot more interruptions and a lot more just praying that nap time is going to last longer than 20 minutes. Oh my and gosh, sometimes it has, sometimes it hasn't. So, <laughs> but it's good. I've heard from a lot of other writer moms and just moms in general who are balancing many different things and giving good tips for time management and also just for being gracious with yourself when you don't get as much done as you want to get done. That's so true. It really does take a lot of stepping back from it and a little bit of acceptance, but you're right. A lot of grace in that, Mm -hmm. especially if you're an achiever and you like to get things done. Oh yeah. That to-do list, the checks Mm -hmm. are not falling in the boxes the way they once did. So... (laughs) Everybody listening who has more than one kid is like, just wait, honey. Like, you'll see. You'll see. But, you know, I do think what's great is once they are a little bigger, they do entertain each other a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some good times to come. But, yes, two is – I remember my most challenging part being tired when I was pregnant the second time Mm -hmm. around. And I had a friend who was pregnant with her first at the time, and she would Mm -hmm. tell me, oh, I'm so tired. And I was like, you haven't even seen tired. But it was fine. (laughs) We're still friends. It's okay. Good. Good. So give us the, if you wouldn't mind, would you give me the brief kind of pitch or synopsis for the Blackout Book Club? Because I always tell too much and I'm not very good at summarizing. Well, most authors aren't that great at it either. So here's my shot and see if (laughs) it works. The Blackout Book Club is set in Maine during World War II. And it's about a small town where U-boats are lurking in the Atlantic Ocean just outside the shores. There are blackouts being scheduled to to protect the ships. And a librarian in town is forced to start a book club to save a small private library from shutting down. And the book follows four different characters, all members of the book club, and the secrets that they are hiding from each other, the ways that they're trying to find community, and they're developing love for books throughout the story. So lots of fun World War II history, lots of relationship drama, a lot about female friendship, which I just love. And that's why I think I enjoyed writing this one so much, is each of the four women are so different, and each were really fun to write in their own way. Interesting. Okay. So here's a question about that. Uh, by the way, that was excellent. Good job. Great. Give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so here's my question on that. I was thinking about the different storylines. So you have Louise, who's, mm-hmm. you know, older and doesn't have any children and is in a different phase of her life. And you have Ginny. Avis, I loved that she didn't really start out loving books. Mm -hmm. Did you know that from the beginning when you were thinking about writing her? You know, when I pick main characters for my books, I usually think who is the most unlikely person to be in this position. So in my debut novel, Things We Didn't Say, there's a translator for a German POW camp, and she's supposed to be there and make connections with people. And I made her just the most antisocial and sarcastic human being possible. And so with this one, I knew there was going to be a book club. And I thought, who would be the most unlikely person to start a book club. And the answer is somebody who doesn't like books. And that's how Avis came about. You need to patent that approach stat. (laughs) Like that is a genius question to ask. That feels along the lines of, you know, what if such and such happened? I mean, Mm -hmm. this idea, I can't wait to tell the kids at the elementary school that that's such a good concrete way to create some conflict and potential for character development. Absolutely. In your character. Wow. 
I'm going to write that down also for myself. So wonderful. I will be borrowing it and I will be sure to credit you in the acknowledgements as Amy Lynn Green. You know, I don't even know if that's my original idea. I'm sure someone along the way had said something like that, but it really does work. And it's a nice, easy trick when you're wanting to have an interesting story. Yeah, I really like that. That's a really good idea. Because I did think, oh my gosh, what a perfect idea that she didn't, that she wasn't really a reader. And as a parent of two children who aren't real jazzed about reading, sometimes Mm -hmm. I like reading about those characters because I'm like, there's still hope for you. Yes, (laughs) Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Were you always a reader as a kid? I always was. Lived at the library, and this book is dedicated to some of the librarians that I know, and I can't wait to give them a copy. But There are several of my friends and even for a while, my sister, who were not as big readers and it took finding the right books for some of them. So sometimes that's just what it is. Whatever captures the imagination. Do you remember any of the books that finally sold them? You know, my sister, I think the Boxcar Children was one of them for her because the mysteries were just so appealing. Nancy Drew didn't do it, but didn't do it. No, Nancy. sorry, Nancy Drew fans. Yeah, but sorry, Nancy, your roadster just didn't connect for us. Sorry. Okay, that's good to know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I really liked the way you incorporate, incorporated the notes from the book club. I mm-hmm. laughed out loud. Oh, good. Those were hilarious. And it really was such a good way to show parts of the characters without telling too much. I mean, it was just, it was really well done. And I liked that part. So yeah, those made me laugh a bunch. I especially liked Ginny's. I was dying. Ginny is just my favorite character to write. I can't pick a favorite character because they're all special to me in their own way. But when you have this young lobster men background factory worker, who's just super sassy, she was, her sections were easily the most fun to write. Are those quicker for you at all? How are you a quick writer or do you take a little while? Are you methodical? I'm definitely not methodical. I think okay. I'm kind of chaos and <laughs> a lot of rewriting. So okay. I pay for the fact that sometimes I write too quickly and then have to fix a bunch of things as I go. But yes, it depends on the character how quickly I can actually get things down. Okay. Do you find that when you have to go back, is it plot things that you have to fix or more character or the way you structured sentences. I'm just interested to how, when you're self-editing, what do you notice most? Ooh, you know, Julie, I think, you know how they, they, they say some writers have a strict outline that they write to and everything follows that, which is great for them. Love yes. it. I'm not well, that person. Mm-hmm. Are you uh, that person? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I kind of got the idea from the way you were reacting, but I love those people and I'm happy for them. Correct. We are very thrilled that they are that organized and yep. on top of it. Go, go. And someday... That's not likely. I was going to say someday I could be that person. I will never be that person. I not only do kind of figuring out the plot as I go along, I write scenes out of order. And sometimes I write only dialogue in a scene and then go back and write the rest of it later. And it's just, it's a hot mess. But in the end, it comes together. It does it does work and I don't understand it. And I would never teach it in a writing class to anyone. But there it is. Do as I say, not as I do. Yep. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense though, because I do a little bit of that as well. And may I say, I think that's going to really serve you well in your new 
phase writing with a child and more interruption because mm-hmm. you do sometimes have to be able to just turn it on or let just enough come out that you have time for. And so it sounds like you're already prepared. You're ready to go. Good. I'm glad that my (laughs) natural disorganization has some benefits. It's good to have a win, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I know we talked about how, so you are a lover of letters and your first Mm -hmm. novel was an epistolary novel. Yep. Have you ever had a pen pal? I haven't had a pen pal in the sense that it was somebody I didn't know and exchanged letters and that's the only way I'd ever met them. Okay. But I have had several friends who write letters to me regularly. And right now my sister-in-law and I are exchanging letters back and forth. And it's a really sweet way to get to know people. They're not probably as lengthy as if I had been living in the 1940s, but <laughs> I could we'll, see that. yeah, we'll, we'll recommend books and hear what is going on in each other's lives and ask questions. And it's been a delight. That is a really cool idea. Do you guys send them via, I mean, snail mail, it's not email, mm-hmm. right? Yes. I love sending mail. I love stamps. I do like, love stamps. They give they send me a, like a catalog for the newest stamps. There's one that's coming out next month about female cryptographers during World War II and on the side of the thing there's code on it. Okay, Julie, like they just want to take my money. That's so exciting because I just saw that stamp the other day when I was at the post office, also watching this woman have a total meltdown, but that's a different story. But the stamps were up there and I thought, oh my gosh, those look cool. There are codes on them. There are codes on the border of the sheet of stamps. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and how do you get this catalog? Because I want in on that. I don't, I think it's because I've ordered enough stamps through the mail that they just are like, (laughs) here, clearly you're our target customer. Take them. I am going to have to get in on that because that is amazing. It's a delight. Even when I don't order the stamps, I love looking at them. So they're tiny pieces of art. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially stamps now, right? It's not just like the flag over and over. I mean, some of them are just so impressive. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know that when I send you mail now, I'm going to really have to think through my stamp choice. I'm probably going to have to go to the post office to purchase them. I mean, I don't judge people by their stamp. (laughs) Although I did... I did order a book of Maine statehood stamps two years ago, knowing that I was going to write this book on Maine. And now I have them to use for things related to the Blackout Book Club. So that is fun. That's something. Oh, I don't know if it's fun. Good but. for you. Well, I think it's fun. I'm sure some <laughs> would argue that that's not their idea of fun, but mm-hmm. you and I will. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Some people think running marathons is fun <laughs> and I think they're crazy. Oh. So. Yes. My podcast producer is running two marathons just within like five weeks of each other. Crazy and amazing. I know. Incredible. And I want no part of it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm happy to cheer people on when they race. Mm. We can mail them letters about their success with our stamps. I bet they're running stamps or something. They're probably. There's there's a stamp for everything. (laughs) (laughs) There is. It's so true. I loved, there were other funny parts of this book and I can see it talking to you. Your personality totally Mm -hmm. comes through in some of the characters, which I love about, I think, all fiction, right? You can Mm -hmm. sort of slice off pieces of yourself or different idiosyncrasies and put them in a character. And I don't know, it's very, it's very cathartic too. Cause Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, look, let me take my issues and work them out over here with this person. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. But one of the lines I loved is you made a difference. Uh, Louise was talking about the fondness for children and caring about children were two different things. 
And I was dying because I had just come home from the library and I had said to someone, you know, this library would be way better if we didn't let children in here because <laughs> there's stuff everywhere and mm-hmm. people kept taking books off of the shelf, even though I begged them not to, you know, things, all, all the things that kids do. And it was just mm-hmm. one of those days. And I thought, yes, I do care about these children, but they are not making me feel fond feelings right now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I so, think we've all had that experience. Yes, you really do. You do a good job of kind of putting that into pieces of dialogue and it's it's never distracting, but it really enriches the read. So I really enjoyed that. I'm delighted to hear it. Funny story on the sense of humor bit. My first novel, I actually, at the time, worked at the publishing company that published my first novel. And so I had to submit the proposal under a fake name so that people wouldn't know it was me and feel either like, oh no, if I hate this, Amy's going to feel so bad or give it preferential treatment because they knew me. And at the publication board that everybody was reviewing the manuscript, right beforehand, one of my coworkers came to me and said, Amy, have you read this new World War II novel that we're reviewing? Because the narrator reminds me so much of you. You really need to read it. (laughs) That is incredible. Yep. So it really is a thing that you can hear people's voice in their characters to the point where... Not suspecting that I had written it. My coworker thought it sounded like me. What are the odds? That's really impressive. How did you start working there? It was a job that I took after college. I had, I majored in writing and publishing, and this was a marketing job that was adjacent to what I had studied, but I had all of the skills and really loved working with books. Publishing people are delightful people. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. Did you like that job? I did. I wanted to do something that was more with people than on the editorial side of things, which is Mm -hmm. a little bit more scheduled and working with words in a different way. Love editors, love what they do. It definitely wouldn't be for me. Whereas with marketing, I got to do a lot of arranging interviews and going on book tours and learned a lot in the process. So I have kind of a unique perspective on the publishing world from being on both sides of the desk. Absolutely. And are you with that same publisher now? Forgive me. For the Black I'm not. Book Club? Okay, oh, yes. I, sorry. Oh, yes. I'm with the publisher for that. I'm just not working that same job because mama time and writing time could not coexist with a full-time day job. Uh, not unless you want to have a breakdown. Someone, I'm sure, is crazy enough to try it. And I was oh. not that person. Yeah. Some people can really balance well. I mean, there are so many conditions to things, right? Like so much depends on how your life is, what support you have, all these other pieces, but how much sleep yourself, you need. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. The the needing sleep, I was a borderline narcoleptic before I had kids. So luckily Ooh. that like trained it out of me, but it's, Good. yeah, some people can sleep. You're right on only a few hours. I, again, I'm not one of them. They're probably our <laughs> marathon friends. Yep. Probably. Maybe, maybe the stamp people among us are, yes. you know, sleeping a little bit more. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm happy with it. <laughs> I love it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
So you were working at the publisher. Mm -hmm. Did you always want to write a book or was that something that came about while you were there? Like, how did that timeline happen? Were you already writing it when you started there? I don't think I ever wanted to write historical fiction until I was working there. And I would read some and think, you know, I bet I could do this myself and getting ideas for stories and I have a number of them in a drawer that are terrible that no one's ever going to read, which most authors do. Um, I think I worked there for six or seven years before actually writing one that I wanted to show anyone. So yeah, most authors that you read, their first book is not actually their first book. And their first book would be in need of some serious help to get it to the point where it should be read. (laughs) That was good PR speak, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In need of help. So you had, so you presented this manuscript that you had written, Mm -hmm. they decide to publish it. Mm -hmm. And was the experience, so you, you knew both sides of it. Mm -hmm. Did you enjoy the author side? Were there parts that were more stressful or more of a struggle for you because of your knowledge? You know, most things were easier because of my knowledge. For example, working in publicity for other authors, I saw that books that were wonderful sometimes got terrible reviews from people. And that not every book is for every person. And that's great. And so it just didn't bother me if I got negative reviews for my own book. And I didn't even feel the need to read all the reviews on Amazon or Goodreads because reviews are for readers, not really for authors. They're not there to make us feel better. They're there to help readers choose the book that's right for them. So that was helpful. The only thing I think that was harder was, man, that second book when you have to write to a deadline is just a lot more work than when you could just work on it whenever you felt like it and get it done whenever you wanted. That makes sense. So did was it a multiple book deal when you yeah. got the first mm-hmm. one? Okay, so you had to write the second one to deadline. Yep, sure oh, did. Yeah, that is a totally different experience than just, mm. oh yeah, ooh, I feel like writing today. I'm mm-hmm. going to write to watch me. Yeah, the procrastinator in me needed some help and gave myself multiple mini deadlines and Blew right past those. <laughs> so. <laughs> Goodbye, mini deadlines. Mm-hmm. I shall miss you. Yep. Oh, yeah. I do love a good uh, good session of procrastination, but I'm old enough now to tell myself that, you know, to have all of these justifications for it, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, I'm very busy and important. Hello. Mm-hmm. I can't help but procrastinate. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. I'm sure writing to deadline was a different experience. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with the idea for Blackout Book Club? Or did you have that idea when you got the deal for two? The Black Eyed Book Club idea, most of my ideas come from research. Like as I'll be working on one book, I'll see something really intriguing yes. that sparks another book idea. Okay. And in this case, I think what I saw first was something I didn't actually end up using in the book because it didn't fit the time frame, but there were so Italy surrendered to the U.S. before Germany. Okay. And so there were some Italian prisoner of wars in Boston who said, hey, do you guys want us to teach you everything we know about the U-boats that the Germans are using? Because they were captains of these submarines and okay. knew everything about them. And they married a bunch of Italian-American women and then just became U.S. citizens after the war. And it was just, it was a cute story, but I also then researched like the Italian community in Boston, which one of my characters is Italian American and U-boats, 
So the the connection was there. The Italian prisoner of war thing didn't end up being useful at all in the book, but there's your fun history fact of the day. So started with some interesting history and said like, "Hmm, if I wanted to set something with Americans interacting with the Battle of the Atlantic and U-boats, what would I do? And then I came up with some fun characters and followed them around for a while. That's such a good way to characterize it, that you're following around your characters. Mm -hmm. Is that how you've always written? I occasionally try to have an outline and to do a little bit more of structure. And I end up going with that for about the first three chapters. And then it takes a different direction. And I kind of just go with that instead. So the answer to that is yes. Your question, yes, I've always done that. Well, that's good to hear, though, because I think that I mean, it feels like the world of writers divides into two, right? You have Mm. people who are adhering to an outline and who are Mm -hmm. excellent with that and then more. But I think also leaving the freedom to explore your own process that way. Because Mm -hmm. like you said, I feel like that's the purpose of the books in the drawer or the manuscripts in the drawer is that Mm -hmm. you start to learn how you work, how you like to work, how you work best, and Mm -hmm. then you end up kind of doing what you need to do through that vein. But yeah, Mm -hmm. that's an interesting idea, following the characters around. I love all these nuggets. That's going to be such a good way to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I'm passing all these on to the kids. Yes. And that's, I think, especially when you're teaching kids how to write at a young age, they need to know that everybody's different. Like some people can take the save the cat structure from the screenwriting book and follow all of the beats of a particular plot structure. And that really helps them. And other kids just need to say when something happens, well, what could make this worse? Or how could this be harder? And that's how they can write. And each of those kids, they're going to do a great job and they're going to create something memorable. But if you force the what if kid down the plot structure path, it's not going to be as fun. And same thing with our lovely structured child. If you force them to just use their imagination and come up with what's next on the fly, they probably won't enjoy the process as much. Yes. The idea that giving them the right approach is important because the wrong approach stifles them, Mm -hmm. even though it might sound more open or expansive. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. What are you working on now? Ooh, what am I working on? I have a deadline at the end of this month. So exciting. Yeah. What what a joy. It is in some ways. It's a joy because (laughs) if I didn't have it, I would never get anything done. So I'm working on a book set in North Africa during the, after the American invasion of North Africa, before the German surrender, where members of the USO are performing for the troops. So my characters are musicians who are just ordinary. The, there were tours where big stars like Bob Hope and other Hollywood greats entertained the troops and everybody knows them. But there yes. were also variety units of five people with different acts who were just ordinary entertainers who went around and performed on the bed of a truck, like in a field, wherever the troops would gather on a crazy schedule for two months and then go back home. And so that's what I get to write about in this one. It's a lot of fun to do an international setting and I'm learning a lot more than I ever have before. I bet. How do you keep track of your research? How do I keep track of my research, Julie? (laughs) 
<laughs> I, you probably have a better solution for that than I do right now. I have lots of books with sticky notes in them. I have saved pages. I have a document in Word with a bunch of links to different internet sources. I have things underlined. I have notes in a bunch of notebooks all around the house where I'm not even sure they are. I have a music playlist, like anything and everything that I can do, I've done. And it's all still a mess. <laughs> but it works. That's the thing. All of this that I'm telling you, it just sounds like I'm a crazy person, but the books get written. They do. <laughs> they do. And you incorporate the research. And I honestly couldn't love it more. I have so many started notebooks. It's not mm -hmm. even funny. I mean, I have just piles of them. And I'll put a couple pages and think, oh, this is going to be the system. And then mm -hmm. I abandon it. You're making me feel so much better about this because I always think, okay, this is the way I'm going to do it. And I think I even have a Word document with links too. I mean, I don't even do that much research, but even still, I'm a mess. You just think of the notebooks as a decor piece and your life just gets so much better. <laughs> oh, well, unfortunately, I'm married. Well, fortunately, because I really enjoy him. But unfortunately, <laughs> I'm married to just a relentless purger. So uh, I do. I'm going to have to figure out a system for how to make them. I'll have to make them go incognito. So that'll mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put that in my uh, my project to do list. list. Yeah, excellent. My to do list that I'm going to lose later because I'm going to write yep. it down in one of the notebooks. Absolutely. This is going to be great. This can't go wrong. I love it. <laughs> I love everything about it. I wanted to point out this one line to you as we're winding down about this. I loved what you said about humans need stories because they appeal to our unconscious needs for love, justice, discovery, etc. Mm -hmm. And I really like the way you use this book to talk about the importance of stories. I thought it was so beautiful. And it also was a reminder for me because I've read a series of World War II historical fiction. You are, I think, fourth or fifth in my little pantheon that I've had going mm -hmm. on here. And every time I pick one up, there is a tendency to think, oh, I, I already know the story around this. I mean, I didn't know mm -hmm. this one, but you know, you pick something up and you think, oh, I've heard that before. Like you're saying, you know, oh, the USO, I know what that looks like. But when we come down to the individual stories inside of that context, it's forever interesting. It's forever mm -hmm. fascinating because these were real people. So the idea that we're creating it on that or you're creating it on that micro level, it's a gift. I really am thankful. I really enjoyed this book. Oh, thank you so much. And that's what that's why I think this one was so fun is because talking about story having a book club discussing books that I read as these fictional people were reading them. Yes. There's just something special about revisiting old books, like revisiting old friends. And I hope that other people have that experience, especially if they read this book with their book club. That would just be a delight to compare how probably more functional their group is than the one in this book. Absolutely. <laughs> they can feel good about their group. You're exactly Absolutely. right. <laughs> yes, I think that would be a delight. This will be a great book for book clubs. And it is out. So this book will be out November 15th. Mm -hmm. And in paperback, hardback? Yep, paperback. Okay, My perfect. first copy here just came in, so. Oh, my goodness. And I love the cover, by the way. I'm not usually, I don't always love covers with people mm -hmm. on them. And that one is perfect. And I also love the color choice. It's, 
I love cover design. I wish I could be a cover designer. Maybe in my I'll pass that place. on to the designer because I know her because I worked at the publishing company and she yes. does a fantastic job. It really is. It stands out. I thought that is a good cover. So yes, please do pass it on. I love it. I will. And tell her I want to be your intern later after I finish all my notebooks. All right, do it. Yeah, great. That sounds good. <laughs> well, so we'll finish this up. Do you have a question for me? Yeah, actually, you alluded to it just a second ago when you said you this was the last in line of a long string of World War II books. As a librarian, why do you think people keep coming back for those? Because mm. I'm sure you recommend those a lot to people. What do you think is about them that people are drawn to? That's a really good question. I think that, well, so even my elementary schoolers, especially the fifth graders, they start mm. to really like the story. I think it is, there are so many wonderful, encouraging, compelling Mm -hmm. stories within that landscape. And I think Mm -hmm. the, we're always hoping to triumph over evil. And so I think there is this feeling of that was such a, a seminal moment that we could point to where it felt like there Mm -hmm. was triumph and especially in, in victory. And so we, look back, I think, to that for instruction and for, for you know, context and the history of it. But also, at least for me, there's so much inspiration because mm-hmm. you see the, the victories, but then also knowing what people sacrificed and feeling just the love and the, what people were, were willing to give mm-hmm. for each other during that time. And especially now we live in a different time of history and so to look back, I think it's just something that reminds us, inspires us, and hopefully spurs us on to do something else. But that would be my guess, I think. Yeah, that's beautiful. High stakes, real good yes. versus evil, and so many good stories to tell, for yes. sure. And I think because it was such a huge conflict, like you mm-hmm. said, you know, there are all these different pieces like yes. that... And every story kind of spins out. It's a web. And so mm-hmm. seeing how all those interconnected pieces went together is pretty fascinating and also very sobering. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I have the Ken Burns documentary on my list to watch. Have you heard mm-hmm. about that one? Have you watched yes, it? Yes, I haven't yet. But it is also, once I turn in this book, it oh. is on, on a list. Yay. Do you have a list of things I'm going to do when I turn in this So book? many, so many books. Oh There's gosh. a stack. I'm so excited. <laughs> I did think about that because I'm nearing a deadline on one project and I thought the same thing, like, I know what I'm going to do. It's exciting. It's like summer vacation. Yeah. Just a reading weekend. I'm going to get caught up on everything. Oh, good. Well, I wish you happy reading, happy writing on this project and happy publication for the Blackout Book Club. I think people will pick it up and enjoy it and I can't wait for it to be in the world. Thank you. I wish you many more half-finished notebooks. (laughs) Thank you. I think that's a realistic wish you're giving me. It is. I think I can Mm -hmm. achieve that. Good. (laughs) Well, thanks for your time today, Amy. And I uh, look forward to waiting for your next book. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. Yeah. Have a good day. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes Words, or you can go to my website, juliewritewords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week.
And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book.